got a uh, problem here in that uh, I have to introduce myself. So I'd just like to say that I'm one of the nicest guys you'd ever meet. And uh, never had the chance to introduce myself before, so I want to take advantage of this opportunity. Uh, I'm, I'm Bill Hamblin. I teach uh, history at BYU and uh, just uh, worked with Matt Brown to start to you know, kind of carry on Matt's work in organizing this conference. And my topic is going to be on Jacob's sermon in 2 Nephi 6-10 and the Day of Atonement. Now this, uh, David Bakaboy's presentation that he just presented is a perfect introduction into uh, this particular topic in which I essentially draw on his same themes but look at it from a little different perspective and focus on um, the Day of Atonement here. So the papers are really quite complimentary and he did not steal my ideas. Now, the Day of Atonement is a complicated phenomenon. I've listed here the primary sources associated with the Day of Atonement. Am I over too far? I've got to, to read this from the angle because I foolishly forgot to print out my thing. I only have the web stuff. So this, it's picking up. Okay. The, um, the Day of Atonement is a ritual of uh, purification and atoning for sins that occurs in the Old Testament in Leviticus and then in the Apocrypha it is mentioned in Sirach 50 to 51. And then we also have some later rabbinic sources which are several centuries later in the Mishnah and the Tosefta which have chapters on called Yoma which means Yom Kippur is the Hebrew so, so the, the day they call it. And then uh, some of this has been collected together in this particular source with some commentary. So, so there's a number of different ancient sources that I'm going to use. The, obviously the most ancient is Leviticus. But uh, all of these reflect and kind of build on one another and provide some background that isn't fully available in Leviticus. There's another problem in doing this, and that is some of these things may have changed through time. So when we look at the Book of Mormon and, and look at Day of Atonement in the Book of Mormon, you know, to use a source that the Book of Mormon people never had association with, like the Mishnah, can be problematic. But I think you'll see it, it works out uh, fairly well. The uh, couple things to note in the way that the Book of Mormon prophets dealt with issues of biblical ritual and biblical uh, theology is, is two, and prophecy is, are two fundamental principles. One is the idea of likening it unto yourself, which we tend in Sunday school to, to mean, well, what's a daily personal application I can get from the scripture. That's generally not what the Nephite prophets meant. What they meant is they take Israelite prophecies, Israelite traditions, and they see how they apply to themselves in their own particular situation because they are a part of Israel, okay? The second one is, is the phenomenon of type, type, typifying everything mosaic in relationship to Christ. So all things are typifying of Christ. Now, this is a expressly messianic interpretation of, of the Old Testament things, the law and, and whatnot. And, you know, it says Christ, but I think, you know, originally it would have been Messiah. That is, they're looking forward and seeing these things as messianic prophecies. Now, what does Jacob do in his discourse in 2 Nephi 6 through 10? He begins with a brief introduction, and then he launches into a long public reading of several chapters of Isaiah with a little bit of explanation put in there. And these are the chapters and verses that Isaiah that he reads. So this is a public reading of part of the scriptures. So he briefly introduces things, then he has his big long reading. And uh, then he, uh, if you look at his themes in chapter 9, it's basically on the atonement. 
So that's the first thing that kind of got me thinking, well, is this Day of Atonement? Because obviously the main theme of Day of Atonement is, is that. He also talks about ways of deliverance. He gives the woes, which are essentially a commentary on the law. Almost all of the Ten Commandments are mentioned as part of these woes. So, so there's a reading of the law, or at least a commentary on the law involved in this. And then there is a, uh, the ways of remembrance that he talks about here. Remember, 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 all, uh, you know, a whole bunch of these, which is essentially a form of covenant renewal. That is, remember this, and by remembering it, you renew your, your obedience to the covenant. So, so these are the elements we see within this chapter. And then he prophesies in chapter 10 of the scattering of Israel, then the regathering of Israel, and specifically how this gathering of Israel applies to the Lehites, the Lehite branch of Israel, and then about the, more, the broader concept of choosing the way of life versus the way of death, the, the two ways theology that uh, Max Sterling, who spoke a little earlier, also talked about. So that's kind of the broad pattern of what Jacob talks about in those chapters. Now what I'd like to do is go through uh, some of these, we don't have time to go into the details of exactly what he's talking about, but what I want to do is look at themes, thematic ideas that he mentions and see how they relate to the Day of Atonement. Because basically my thesis is that this uh, sermon was given on the Day of Atonement at the temple. Okay, Jacob is, they've built the temple, they're starting to have it function, Jacob is ordained as the priest, and presumably that means high priest. Many times in the Old Testament, the high priest is just called the priest. I mean, it's assumed, like we'd say, the president or the prophet, we know who we mean, we don't have to give the, all, the full title. So, so he's the high priest of the community, and uh, my assumption is then that they, have, they are performing the Day of Atonement rituals at the temple, which is part of the law of Moses, which they explicitly say they had to follow the whole law of Moses. And then they, and now Jacob is talking about what this all means, that is these Day of Atonement things. So my assumption is that the rituals are in the background, that the people understand that and have seen this. And what we're getting is an explanation without uh, the description of the rituals. When you look at ancient uh, temple ideologies and rituals, they're sometimes divided into those things that were done, those things that were seen or revealed, and those things which were said. And if you look at the Old Testament, we mainly get the things that were done, and we don't get the things that were said very much. You, you know, you, you don't get in Le uh, Leviticus 16 what the high priest said on the Day of Atonement. Did he say anything? Did he just go up and do this stuff and never said anything? So, so I'm assuming here we're getting from Jacob the things that were said, or at least a type of the things that were said. Okay, we'll have to go through these quite rapidly because uh, uh, we, you know, we have a little time limitation. I don't want to take up the other people's time as well. Now, Jacob's sermon is, is associated with the temple and possibly with the new year. The sermon is given right after the completion of the temple. And it is given, it's the first recorded event after the end of the 40th year. So it's not explicitly said it's at the temple, nor it's at, at the new year time. Uh, however, you know, there's a slight implication there. Anciently, we had two festivals associated with this period. In fact, we're right in the middle of the High Holy Days in the Jewish calendar now. Uh, the the uh, Rosh Hashanah, which is New Year, was a few days ago, and Yom Kippur is going to be a few days from now. It's associated with the, uh, the uh, equinox here. So, uh, the New Year's was originally on the seventh day of the tenth month, but at some point it shifted to be in the fall. And it was the 17th here, and it's going to be the 25th is the Day of Atonement. So they're right a few days after the, the New Year's festival is the Day of Atonement festival. Okay? 
So, so my assumption is that the New Year's festival has just gone on, and as you noticed here, this is the first recorded event after New Year's, after the shift of, of the calendar here, okay? Now, this, uh, all of these events were take, to take place at the temple, and although Jacob's sermon is not expressly said to be given at the temple, it is the first major event that occurs after the dedication or the finish of the temple. All right, so uh, I'm assuming here it's there, but I think there's enough evidence that I'll give here in a minute to, to indicate that. Next thing to note, Jacob spake this. It's an oral discourse, and he emphasizes his priestly authority right at the beginning. He gets up there and says, I'm the priest, so listen to me, that type of thing. He says he's called of God, he's ordained, he's in a holy order, and he's been consecrated. These are all technical terms for priestly activities and for uh, the consecration of the high priest. Now, the, the high priest was the key figure in the Day of Atonement. In fact, this is his main priestly function. Other priests can perform the other sacrifices and things going on in the temple, or at least some of them, but only the high priest can do, to, can do the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement is a pilgrimage ritual in which all of Israel was supposed to come to the temple and worship. So one of the three pilgrimage rituals when all Israel is commanded to come. Now, now Jacob at this addresses the people of Nephi. He doesn't say all, but I think it's an implied all. The, the whole community has come. And in reality, of course, this is a small group, maybe 100, you know, 150. This is right at the, you know, this is 40 years after they come to the new world. You've got maybe a young second generation there at that time. Now, the, one of the things that's involved with uh, the New Year's festival is sometimes is that the New Year's, the Rosh Hashanah, which is a few days before uh, atonement, is a time that commemorates creation. It is the festival commemorating the creation of the world, the universe. And it also begins, at least in contemporary Judaism, and you know, Mishnaic Judaism, it begins the yearly cycle of reading with the beginning to read Genesis again. And Genesis was read at the temple, uh, in, in some cases, in ancient Israel. And notice, Jacob in, his, in this verse 6-2 here says explicitly, he has previously, he said, I've already told you things that are written from the creation. So he's told them the creation narrative, but it was before. It's not in this sermon, it was earlier. And this, of course, the, the New Year's creation festival is a few days before the Day of Atonement here. Then he also says that he's going to recount and prophesy things which are to come and liken them unto his own people. And he reads Nephi as a prophecy, and then he gives his own interpretive prophecy of the explanation of, of uh, Isaiah. He reads Isaiah as a prophecy and then explains it in 2 Nephi 10. Okay? Now, at, the, at this time, on the great holy days, the rabbinic traditions say that all of mankind, uh, the fate of all mankind is decreed, is a time when God prophetically decrees what's going to happen. So the reading of prophecy, the prophesying as part of this ritual, would fit into the ancient category of Day of Atonement. Now, Day of Atonement was a time of covenant renewal in which the high priest was to publicly read the covenant and get people to reaffirm their um, acceptance of that covenant. And you see this exactly occurring in 9.1. In After he's read Isaiah, then he starts into his own sermon in, in chapter 9, which uh, David Bakavoy talked about a bit. I've read you these things concerning the covenant of the Lord. So he's reading the covenant, just as, as he's supposed to do on the Day of Atonement. God judges Israel on the, on the New Year's Day. This is part of this 
see, there's two festivals, New Year's Day of Atonement, they're about a week apart. So we're, they're one, complex of one continuing festivals. And Jacob uh, discourses on judgment extensively in the Book of Mormon as well. Uh, the central purpose of the Day of Atonement is, of course, atonement, which means, in Hebrew, kippur literally means covering, but it is to cover the sins of Israel. So we would, you know, we use it in a, in a slightly different sense, but that's the purpose, is to get rid of the sins. Okay? And, of course, one of the central themes of Jacob's discourse is the infinite atonement. I mean, that's what he's focusing on here. So, so the theme, the major theme of Day of Atonement and the major theme of Jacob are the same. And he talks about the way of deliverance that the Lord can deliver us because of the atonement as well. That's part of the uh, description he has here. Now, um, one of the things that occurred on the Day of Atonement was the ritual expulsion of evil from the community. It was symbolically represented by several different acts, one of which was the casting out of what the King James people call the scapegoat. In Hebrew, it's Azazel, and it's probably some type of uh, demon or the devil himself or something. He has to be cast out of the community, and here there's several passages that describe this. And I will put these notes up on uh, the web in association with, with the uh, interpreter uh, web page because I know I'm going through too, through too fast for you to write it down. If you want to write it down, I'll put it up, all these notes on the web, you can write down all the references. Anyway, uh, Satan ex or Job, <laughs> Jacob explicitly talks about expelling Satan. They talk about the destruction of Rahab and the, the dragon, this Tanin. These are symbols of Satan. And they deliver from Satan. They deliver us from Satan's death and hell. So the deliverance, the expulsion, the uh, overcoming Satan is another central theme of Jacob's speech, just as you find in the Day of Atonement. Now, the high priest is ordered, is, this is part of the ritual, he has to command Israel to repent. You read the covenant, then you say, okay, you haven't been keeping all this covenant, you gotta repent, and if you agree to repent, then we can renew the covenant. So it's, it's an integral part of covenant renewal, and of course, Jacob uh, emphasizes this as well. Now, it, uh, Jacob talks about repenting and being baptized, which, it is another phenomenon that's going on as part of the Day of Atonement ritual, which is the ritual immersion and purification of the high priest. In several uh, occasions, a couple times in the rituals, he is supposed to take off his robes and immerse himself. They talk about them holding up a sheet or a blanket so the people don't see him because he's taken off his clothes, right? And then he immerses himself, comes out, puts on new robes, and then continues the ritual. So the uh, ritual immersion of the high priest is going on. The people have seen him. And then Jacob talks about baptism, about you know, this immersion as a spiritual purification. Now, the high priest, after his immersion, has to wear special glorious robes, which are kind of, you know, the, the ultra extravagant, beautiful robes that the priest is supposed to wear for this special ceremony. And these are discussed or described at length in some of these passages. And of course, Jacob uses this exact theme in his discourse when he talks about being clothed with purity and robes of righteousness. So you can imagine him standing here in his glorious robes, which represent this, you know, relationship with God, and then saying, you know, we, need, we will be clothed with robes of righteousness in the presence of God, that type of thing. Uh, God, the um, uh, high priest is supposed to call for, on God's mercy for Israel. Part of the point of being forgiven of the sins is that God will be merciful and, and you know, accept your sins, overcome your sins, cover your sins. And Jacob talks about God's mercy extensively as well. Then we have a formal reading of the law or the covenant. And Jacob does this within the context of, the, of his speech where he talks about the woes. 
Now the woes are couched in a literary form, woe unto this, woe unto that, and so forth. But if you go through that list and compare it, it's, it's closely tied with the Ten Commandments. Not, not ex exclusively, a couple commandments are missing, some other things are added in. But I think seven out of the ten are included in the woes. So the woes are a reiteration of the covenant law, at least part of the Ten Commandments here, and, and is part then of the covenant renewal. First you have woes for breaking the covenant, then you agree to accept and renew the covenant. This, uh, these ceremonies were sent, said to be, uh, the, the, they're called a zikron in Hebrew, which means a memorial. And Lou Midgley has written a great article on the ways of remembrance, which incorporates some of the, these ideas from Jacob's sermon here. But the point being, you do the, the, the ceremony, you do the festival, as a zikron to remember the covenant. And that's, you know, Jacob goes on and on about remember this, remember that, remember that. So he gives the woes, then he gives the remembers, which are, here's what happens if you don't break the covenant, you need, therefore you need to remember the covenant so that, you know, the atonement will function. Then he, uh, Jacob also talks about the way and the geek, gatekeeper and so forth. David pointed out some of the, uh, the phrases from Jacob that imply ascending into the temple and entering into the temple and the gateway there. There were gatekeepers at the temple that kind of you know, decided who could come in and who couldn't. And of course, the high priest has to pass through the gate or the veil of the Holy of Holies. And uh, Jacob talks about this gate being that the Holy One of Israel, that is Yahweh himself, is the gatekeeper and he employeth no servant there. So ultimately, the, the gate imagery is there as well. An interesting part of the Day of Atonement ritual was that the high priest at this time uh, spoke and revealed, or, or at least spoke, the uh, ineffable name of God. Now, this is a complicated thing within Israelite history, but uh, usually they used um, uh, euphemisms for the name of God. They wouldn't pronounce his name. When you heard Bakaboy give a speech, you could tell he's been in a Jewish university because he won't say Yahweh, he'll say Adonai. And, or Hashem or something, because you say that in a Jewish context and they, some of them might get offended. Uh, so, so that practice of using euphemisms to not say the name of the Lord uh, expressly is still an uh, integral part of Jewish uh, culture but, and religion. But uh, in the Day of Atonement, the, Lord, the high priest would speak the name. And notice in 941, Jacob reveals the name for the Lord, that is Yahweh. The Lord is just the uh, anglicization of Jehovah, which is an anglicization or Latinization of Yahweh. Yah the Lord, Yahweh, God is his name. So he reveals the name, tells them the name, right? The holy name of God he talks about. And then also that the angel, uh, possibly in the Holy of Holies, revealed the name to him. The angel told Jacob the name, and then Jacob tells the name to the people. Okay, which in this case was, was Christ. Now, a very interesting thing that Jacob does during this sermon is he removes his robe. He just takes his robe off and shakes it and says, you know, and this is just kind of strange, right? Why is he taking off his robe? Well, he, he is doing so because he's required to do so as part of the Day of Atonement ritual. The, the high priest had to remove his outer robes and then do some purification ritual and then put on super fancy robes. So the disrobing, the public disrobing of the high priest was part of the ritual. And Jacob mentions this just in passing. But, you know, why would Joseph Smith stick in such a strange thing, right? I take off my clothes while I'm giving a sermon. You know, this just seems like something you do in Hollywood, but not necessarily 
uh, ancient Israel or New York. There's, a, there's an intimate, integral focus on blood in these rituals. The blood, the sprinkling of the blood, the taking of the blood from the sacrifice is, is very important in the purification rituals that, the, uh, that, that are going on here. And Jacob, of course, talks about being rid of your blood as part of this phenomenon of, of purification. Okay, so, so, the, so the blood motif pops up there a little bit as well. At, in the Day of Atonement, you're supposed to communally confess your sins. And Jacob does exactly that. Speaking for the Nephites, he says, I know my guilt, I transgressed thy law. This is a public confession of we sin here, we sin here, we sin here. Then we repent, and then we renew the covenant so that we don't sin in the future. So that's another uh, part of Day of Atonement that you see reflected there. The Day of Atonement also requires fasting before the day, then after the atonement, we have a big feast, okay? And we see this reflected in Jacob 9, 50 and 51, where he says, come everyone who thirsteth. These guys have been fasting, right? Now they're thirsty. And feast now upon that which perisheth not. They're gonna have this big feast, but there is a celestial feast as well. So you see the motif of fasting reflected in the fact that Jacob is calling the thirsty and hungry people to come, okay? So there's another part of it there. Um, there is a wine offering that's given, and Jacob briefly mentions wine. That may not be uh, pretty, you know, fully part of this phenomenon. Now, the high priest enters the Holy of Holies as part of this ritual, which is a very important part. He goes into the Holy of Holies to essentially present himself to God to, to obtain the, the final forgiveness. There is no mention of Holy of Holies uh, in uh, Jacob's sermon, explicit. But he does talk about seeing an angel and the angel telling, revealing the name of Christ to him. Now, we don't know when that happened, but it's possible that that is an allusion to that the purpose of entering the Holy of Holies was to enter the presence of God. And so if Jacob had gone into the Holy of Holies, it would make sense for the angel to be there as he was for Zechariah in, uh, in the uh, New Testament, and then to reveal the name within that context. I mean, that fits the Jewish context, although it's not explicit in the Jacob side as to, you know, be that, that revelation being in the Holy of Holies. I think it's implied. Now, we've got uh, two or three minutes left. There's an interesting, anyway, that kind of summarizes the major themes. I think uh, you can see that based on those, I get the sense that Behind this sermon is a Day of Atonement ritual that the people are, have seen, are participating in, and Jacob is alluding to all these things in his sermon to explicate his ideas of the atonement and, re, and renew the covenant and so forth. Now, there's also an interesting hymn on the Day of Atonement, which is the oldest text we have which describes what the Israelites thought the Day of Atonement meant, and this comes from the book of Sirach 51, which is in the Apocrypha, okay? It, it is a hymn which is... After the high priest has performed his ceremony, they sing this hymn. And it only survives in the Hebrew text of Sirach. It is between 51.12 and 51.13 in the Greek text. It is not translated in the Apocrypha at the time of Joseph Smith. You can find it in modern translations of the Apocrypha. It's the Hebrew version, not the Greek version. Okay? And it's interesting that Joseph Smith could have had no access to this whatsoever, nor to the Mishnah or these other Jewish sources that I'm talking about. Now, the way it works is the, the priest says a line, give thanks to God for X. 
And then the people respond, for his mercy endures forever. This is a antiphonal response. And it's part of the teruach that uh, David was, uh, Bakaboy was talking about, this festal shout, everybody shouting things in unison is going on here. And Psalm 136 shows a similar pattern to this. Now, what's interesting when you look at this, and I'm almost out of time, so I have to do it quick, is that uh, you know, the, the priests give their line, and then, uh, or the, rather, they, they start the antiphony, his mercy endures forever. And I've just listed here all of the major ideas that the priests in the old Sirach hymn are saying and showing that they all can be found in the Book of Mormon, Jacob's narrative within the Book of Mormon as well. So, mercy endures forever, God of praises, guardian of Israel, formed all things, they talk about the creation narratives, redeemer of Israel, gathers the dispersed, the, you know, that's a big theme with Jacob, right? Rebuilt the city and the sanctuary, they're doing this right after the rebuilding of the temple. Uh, he makes a horn to sprout, doesn't quite fit, although there's a talk of the branch. And so I'm assuming this is a messianic, uh, ex, you know, a messianic prophecy to make the horn sprout for the house of David is a prophecy of the Messiah. And of course, Jacob has this big Messiah theme throughout his uh, uh, chapter 9, or especially chapter 10. But. Chosen the sons of Zadok to be priests. They talk about the priesthood. Mention of Abraham is also there. The rock of Israel is explicit a couple times. Mighty one of Jacob is mentioned and so forth. The, the chosen ones, the king of kings, the horn of his people, again, a messiah, messiah I think. And then the, um, the children of Israel are his special people. All those themes are mentioned in, uh, that you see in this hymn, which is 250, or excuse me, 150, 160, 170 BC, around there. Um, they're all reflected in the book as well. So my conclusion is that many of the major themes of the Day of Atonement that we find in Jewish literature, both biblical and post-biblical, are also found in J Jacob's speech, and therefore my conclusion is Jacob's speech, I think, is, was given in the context of the New Year's Festival and the Day of Atonement Festival, and this is the sermon that he gives as the people had been participating in all these rituals there at the temple in Book of Mormon times. Thank you. Thank you.